Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today we will talk about being an effective healthcare advocate during hospitalization. To help shed light on this, I'm very pleased to introduce our distinguished guest, Melissa Khan. Melissa is the principal and owner of Khan Healthcare Consulting that works with organizations and families, helping them navigate the aging journey. She is also the author of The Personal Healthcare Passport, a practical tool for caregivers to better manage important health and medical information. Melissa was a guest on our radio show back in 2013, and we are very happy to have her back. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. Meghna, thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. We have a ton of great questions for you um, related to this topic, which is, you know, which is very, very important for many of us who are involved in the caregiving journey. So I want to get right to it. Um, let's get started. Um, I just want to start off with what you think are some of the common pitfalls many of us fall into when it comes to dealing with um, healthcare or hospitalization situations. It's a great question, Magna. But before I do, let me just share a thought. You know, as a care consultant, my goal is to empower people and provide them with the tools and the resources they need to make important decisions. And our discussion today is really timely because right around the corner is Thanksgiving, and this is a wonderful opportunity for families to sit down and talk about the what-ifs and what they want to do, you know, planning forward. Um, in, in, in order to really address the pitfalls, we have to really talk about what happens? Unfortunately, for many of us, we wait until there's a crisis before we talk about important care matters, and then at that time, we're often feeling vulnerable and ill-prepared. You know, a crisis is not the right time to be making important life decisions. The conversation really needs to start early on and long before somebody goes in the hospital. It should be a conversation that's ongoing and also is modified as we change, because as we age, our needs and our wishes may change. Mm-hmm. So, so let me tell you a little ahead, bit about. Please. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. One go ahead. The, I was just I was just going to ask you another question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till you finish. So I, I think really early on, what families and individuals really need to do is do their due diligence in advance, and you know what that really means is they have to be proactive and plan ahead. They need to make sure when they're going to their doctors and they're, they're asking the right questions, they're not afraid to get second opinions mm-hmm. for insurance companies to make sure that they're getting um, approval in advance and that approval is documented. It's important that they sit down and they look at legal documents that they have and make sure they're up to date, that they have their living will, their health care proxies, and or their advanced directives. These are important legal documents that must be filled out and should be filled out before anybody goes into the hospital. For many of us, you know, mm-hmm. we think that if we talk about something, something bad won't happen, but the truth is it's not a matter of if something's going to happen for us, it's a matter of when. So being prepared and, you know, can provide peace of mind and really give people the tools they need to be better prepared once they're in the hospital. So when it comes to, um, you know, hospitalization situations, that's, you know, that's a very stressful situation for a lot of people, in fact, for all of us. 
can you tell us a little more about uh, the advanced healthcare directive and how one can go about getting that? Is it something um, that you should prepare for before uh, you encounter, um, you know, hospitalization situation? Yes, absolutely. As, as I said before, it, the key to doing things is really being proactive. And most people have a will, which really is a legal document making decisions for their assets. But it's also important that they have what's called a living will, a durable power of proxy, and or advanced directives. And those are legal documents which will designate what your care wishes are. In other words, if someone is in a terminal state and they don't want to be on life support or they don't want to have tube feeding or they don't want to have antibiotics, they can spell that out in their living will. The durable power of proxy of healthcare is really a legal document that is saying that if I can't make sound decisions for myself, I want to select this individual to act on my behalf in order to make important decisions. It is imperative these days going into the hospital that we have those documents filled out in advance because it really takes time and thought. And oftentimes, families don't know really how to facilitate this conversation, so that's where someone like myself would come in. We would meet with a family to sit down to talk about what are their options, in particular, mm -hmm. like for the living will. The other, you know, things have to be completed by an attorney, but we can start the conversation with families to really help them sort through their personal wishes and really kind of the family mission, what they want if something should happen. But again, that has to be then met, you know, those documents have to be reviewed and gone over and, and um, witnessed with an attorney. But yes, ab absolutely they should have them before going in the hospital. Now, if someone isn't comfortable dealing with uh, medical and caregiving issues, what options would you suggest for them? Well, you know, a lot of families are not comfortable. Oftentimes there's one person who thinks proactively but is fearful that if they should bring up a conversation that the family might misinterpret their intentions. So I often tell families, if you have a relative or somebody who can act as an advocate and help facilitate a discussion, it's important to do that. If not, they can consider hiring a care consultant. Again, someone like myself or there's other professionals out there that really help to facilitate this discussion and can help people navigate this journey, point them in the right direction, and help them understand who the service providers are so they're better prepared for the road ahead. They can also meet um, with individuals at the hospital. Um, hospitals have case managers and those can be nurses or social workers who are part of the team. And it's important when they're in the hospital to meet with them early on, not only they have a discussion about certain care wishes, but to make sure certain post-discharge plans are made in advance. And that's the person they should know. I oftentimes tell individuals, get to know that person on the first day you're admitted. Don't wait until the 11th hour because then they're scrambling and you're scrambling. It's good to be proactive and know who the care team is right up front and find out who can be part of your team. So you just mentioned that in case, um, so I want to understand, if I can't advocate for myself, would I be, uh, you know, would it be best for me to approach a person like you who could guide me through the process? Well, let's, let's clarify that. When we say advocate for yourself, if somebody is by themselves and there are mm -hmm. no family members, there are case managers and case workers in hospital that can assist mm -hmm. that 
or there are patient advocates or ombudsmen that are working with the institution. So that's an option. But in cases where there are loved ones, friends or family, they, an individual can select another individual who is best suited to honor their wishes. In other words, just because one has children, it doesn't mean that if someone's first in the birth order that that person is really right to be the primary caregiver or the, the proxy, as they're calling it. You really have to pick somebody who has the emotional wherewithal and understands the implications about making certain decisions. Some family members might be better suited being in charge of the family communicator or handling finances, but it's important that somebody has an advocate to be another set of ears and eyes because when we're in the hospital and we're not feeling well, we can't always observe and make the best decisions. So it's important that somebody is there with us to help advocate for us. Thank you for clarifying that, Melissa. Now, um, I'm, you know, I've been asked this question by some of our audience members. There are lots of times when, uh, you know, loved ones are at a hospital and they have concerns which cannot be resolved by the physician who is in charge of, you know, our loved one's care. In such situations, what could be possibly done? Where there's a conflict with a physician? Well, again, yes, that's right. each hospital has a team of people, and nobody works as an island. So there's a case manager. There's, and the case managers can be clinical social workers or registered nurses. An individual could also call the director of nursing. Patient services, patient services often will have an advocate, or there's a hospital ombudsman. And they are independent. They are there to work solely for the purpose of advocating for individuals. So if there's a conflict. The other thing is it's important to talk to the doctor and really sort through what the issues are. Because when people are hospitalized and they're feeling vulnerable and emotional, you know, emotions are raw, sometimes we don't hear things exactly as they are. So having a loved one there to kind of help sort through what's going on can help kind of alleviate some of that tension and clarify maybe some misunderstandings. So, you know, again, Please. I, I mm -hmm. always encourage people to bring somebody with them so there's another set of ears and eyes to really sort through what's fact or fiction. When it comes to, um, you know, emergency room situations, do you have any specific tips for caregivers? Absolutely. When... You know, again, planning ahead is really important. I oftentimes will tell people, have a folder at home. And in that folder, you should have documents like your health care insurance information, medical test results, um, any sort of exam or records that you have should be compiled together. If you go to an emergency room, bring it with you. And the reason being is that in a, an emergent situation, oftentimes, we forget to leave out critical information, and we want to make sure to provide a complete health history so the parties involved really can do the best job possible. By bringing a folder or a personal health care passport which has information in it, you can make sure that you're providing the medical team with the most current and update information. It's also important when someone goes to a hospital to make sure they signed the documents we refer to as the HIPAA forms, and those are lease of information. We want to make sure that our doctors and emergency staff or any of the people involved in our care can talk to us. 
unless those documents are signed, they are not legally able to. So if somebody goes into an emergency room, it's important at that time that those permission slips, if you will, are signed and that the family members keep copies of those. The other thing I tell families, if they go to an emergency room and a test is performed or procedures are done, they can request copies of those results so they can take them later on back to their doctors because they might be visiting from out of town. Emergencies don't always happen when we're in our own, our own location. So they can get copies. It's better to do it while you're still at the hospital rather than request it later. While you're still there, they won't usually charge you for copies. Even if you've had an MRI, they can make a disc of it. But if you have to request them later on, you actually have to go to medical records, sign forms, and it can be lengthy and costly. So I oftentimes tell people, whatever is done, request copies there. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa. This has been this particular piece of information is extremely uh, useful. We're getting comments from uh, the audience members who are talking about how they were looking for, you know, these kinds of tips because not many, you know, emergency room situations are very stressful. And for uh, you to give list out the the documents that are needed is um, extremely valuable. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to know if you had any other practical suggestions to best advocate for for ourselves or our loved ones um, at the end of the show? Absolutely. Um, You know, again, it's really important to talk about the what ifs. Have a conversation with family members. And this may sound silly, but companies have mission statements where they designate the mission of a company. Families should also do the same thing. Think about what quality of life means to you and talk about the what if so that when you put your mission statement together as a family or as a group of friends, you can make sure to honor the wishes of the people you love. In terms of the practical team, in terms of practical matters, get to know the healthcare team. I encourage people to write down information, whether you have a personal healthcare passport where you can log that or a blank journal, bring that to the hospital, write down the names of the care team. Know who the, not, the doctors, the nurses, and the assistants are. Make sure that you write down the names of medications and treatments you've had. Sometimes symptoms and side effects won't happen for a couple of days or even after discharge. So if you know those medications, you then can call back to the hospital or a pharmacist and say, these are the medications that I was given in the hospital. I'm now on a new set, but I want to know if those are things that I should be concerned about. Write down your questions in advance. When you're going to see a doctor or you're going to a clinic, write them down because in a short visit, oftentimes there's so much you want to cover and you don't want to walk out the door and five minutes later say, I forgot to ask that question. By writing it down, too, you can also get clarification. Bring somebody with you so that someone else is hearing the same thing you're hearing. Oftentimes, when we hear the word cancer or we hear the word Alzheimer's or we hear the word terminal, after that it's almost as though we go deaf. We can't take the information in. So having somebody else there to sit down and document what's being shared can be most helpful later on to reflect back on that. Um, the other thing is if you don't feel well and things aren't, something's not right and you're in pain and the medication somebody is giving you, speak up. Don't be afraid because... It's important if something isn't right that you say something because it may mean that they have to modify medications. They may have to tweak things. But if 
you know, oftentimes people feel they should be stoic. And I oftentimes think your body is the best indicator of what's going on, so you have to listen to it and make sure to tell the parties involved something's going on. The same is true for a loved one or an advocate who is sitting with you. If you notice things that are going on and your loved one doesn't seem to see that, make sure to alert the staff. Let them know that you're noticing some changes in behavior. Let them know that you're noticing when the person is standing that they're wobbly or that they seem to be going to the restroom more frequently. It's important that we speak up and not let things go unnoticed. Um, The other thing I tell people, it seems rather obvious, but when you go to the hospital, leave your valuables at home. Don't bring anything of value with you. Just bring that booklet, bring maybe your um, a, a phone so that you can contact relatives, but don't bring anything of value. Another point, when you're in the hospital, oftentimes the plan is to get you out as soon as possible. So on that first day when I encourage you to talk to the case manager or the social worker, find out what the discharge plan is early on. If they plan to send you home or to a rehab center, It's a good idea to do the due diligence before you go in the hospital to know what you might be needing so that you could go and research facilities that have rehab to see which ones you like best rather than wait till the 11th hour. And the same thing goes for ordering adaptive equipment. The hospital may send you home with adaptive equipment for the restroom like a raised toilet seat or grab bars. Ask the doctor or the physical therapist in advance for a written prescription for those items. If they're written while you're in the hospital, they'll be covered by insurance. If you don't do it until afterwards, insurance may not cover that. So it's important to make sure that you do your due diligence in advance. The same thing goes through if if services are to be provided at home, if they think they're going to have meals delivered or there's other things that are going to be brought to your home. Work with the case manager to plan ahead and to have those things ordered long before you go home. Thank you, Melissa. These are fantastic tips, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest today. I want to share your website URL with our audience members so they can get more information about the work that you're involved in. You can learn more about Melissa at www.tarnhealthcare.com. I'll spell that. It's K-A-H-N healthcare.com. Yes. And and people... Go ahead, Melissa. Did you want to share something else? Yes, I was just going to say, if people would like to contact me, too, they can feel free to contact me at 773-960-8007. I do work with families. I want to make sure they're empowered and that they feel better prepared to navigate this journey. There's no reason they should go it alone. You know, it can be very stressful going into the hospital. It can be very stressful dealing with a loved one who's sick. So having support, having resources and tools to help you can make the difference between good care and bad outcomes. So, again, my goal is to empower people, and anything I can do to help will make a difference. I Thank you, Melissa. information has been helpful today. It, it truly has been. And um, our audience members know that they can um, also listen to this archive show. It will be on our website by tomorrow morning. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in today. Join us next time on Tuesday, December 2nd at 2 p.m. Eastern for our Caregiver Speak radio show hosted by our caregiving expert, Marjorie Papp. 
she will be speaking to Dr. John Guarneri, Chairman of Healthcare and Spirituality at Florida Hospital, about dealing with the first holiday after losing a parent. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit www.ecarediary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is eCare underscore diary. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you, everyone else. Thank you.